book eleven chapters twelve through seventeen of of the love of god by st francis de sales translated by h l sidney lear this librivox recording is in the public domain book eleven the supreme authority of love over all the soul's virtues actions and perfections chapter twelve god's love if renewed in the soul revives all that sin had slain those works which the sinner performs apart from holy love cannot avail to eternal life and are called dead works while the good deeds of the just man are called living works because god's love inspires them if these lose their worth through subsequent sin we call them not dead but so to say extinguished for as our lord said of jairus's daughter she is not dead but sleepeth so the good works of god's elect which have been overclouded by sin are not really dead but half killed slumbering and if holy love resumes its sway they may live and rise again as the return of sin deprives the heart and its works of life so the return of grace restores them to life a severe winter destroys vegetation and if it lasted nature would never revive but the return of spring both causes the fresh seed to grow and revives the trees which seem to be dead so god's grace reviving in the heart both brings fresh blessings and merits and rekindles the all but extinct grace of past deeds when the wicked man turneth away from his wickedness that he hath committed and doeth that which is lawful and right he shall live ezekiel chapter eighteen verse twenty seven repent and turn yourselves from all your transgressions so iniquity shall not be your ruin ezekiel chapter eighteen verse thirty so the prodigal son was not merely met by his father's embrace but he was restored to all the position and privilege he had forfeited and job the type of the restored sinner received of the lord twice as much as he had before and st paul bids us abound in the work of the lord because we know our labor is not in vain in him and because god is not unrighteous to forget our work and labor of love the lord is mindful of their works who having lost love through sin regain it through repentance he forgets their works who lose holiness by sin he remembers them when love restores their life so that in order to future grace and glory it needs not that the faithful servant of god should never have fallen into sin but if he die in god's grace and love it sufficeth god has promised an eternal reward to the just man but if he turn from his righteousness and sin his former good works will be no more remembered yet if he return and repent neither will his sin be remembered 
but only his former good works his sin being altogether blotted out or rather god's mercy refusing to recall them else david had not dared say give me the comfort of thy help again and establish me with thy free spirit psalm fifty one verse twelve he asks not only for a renewed heart but for the comfort which sin had deprived him of and that comfort is the wine of god's love which maketh glad the heart of man observe the difference between sin and good works the just man's good works are not done away with when he sins but only forgotten but the sin of the wicked man is not merely forgotten it is effaced blotted out by repentance sin cannot revive past sins which have been put away but love reviving does simultaneously revive all these good works which were only laid aside not effaced sin makes man incapable of eternal life but so soon as sin is repented of and put away god remembers man's past good works and they become fruitful sin has less power as opposed to love than love has as opposed to sin and that because sin is the fruit of man's weakness love of god's strength if sin abound to form man's destruction grace much more aboundeth and mercy rejoiceth against judgment romans chapter five and james chapter two verse thirteen thus whenever our lord performed a miracle of bodily healing he always added thereto fresh blessings so bounteous are his dealings with man i have read in pliny that the bee when seemingly dead will revive if laid in the spring sunshine beneath some fig wood ashes but i never heard that wasps or gnats revive in like manner neither do we find from holy scripture or any theologian that our sins which have been destroyed by penitence can ever live again but good works like the bee are recalled to life by the sunshine of grace and are effectual once more when nebuchadnezzar destroyed jerusalem the sacred fire from the altar was hid in a pit where it was lost in mud but when after long years this mud was drawn up and the sacrifice laid upon it there was a great fire kindled and the sacrifice was consumed two maccabees chapter one so when the just man suffers himself to become the slave of sin all his past good works are reduced as it were to mud but once set free from the pit and touched with the light of love they revive and break forth into pure flames meet for god's altar and are restored to their original worth and grace chapter thirteen all our actions should be done in the light of love the inferior animals all tend to their ultimate distinction but without knowing it for they are incapable of choice or intention but man has control over his reason and acts 
and can direct them to such end as he chooses thus he can wholly pervert the natural end of an action for example if he takes an oath to deceive the object of oaths being to prevent deceit or he can add a secondary object as when in almsgiving which primarily is in order to relieve the poor he also intends to win affection or set a good example now sometimes the secondary object of men is inferior to the action itself sometimes equivalent to it and sometimes far higher for instance in almsgiving beyond the direct object of giving relief to the needy there may be first the object of winning his affection next of edification to others and thirdly pleasing god when these different objects are respectively less equal and greatly superior to the original end of almsgiving thus it is plain that the perfection of our acts may be greatly diversified by the motive end or intention with which they are performed in the parable of the talents our lord says thou oughtest to have put my money to the exchangers matthew chapter twenty five verse twenty seven be it ours to trade wisely and cautiously with aims and motives in this spiritual traffic thus a man takes office with a view to serving his country honourably but if he considers his own honour more than the public welfare or even equally with it he does amiss and falls into the snares of ambition but if while making his country service his chief object he accepts such honours as does credit to his family he cannot be blamed inasmuch as there is no collision between the two interests another man makes his easter communion in order to avoid the criticism of his neighbours and to please god and he does well but if his object is as much or more to avoid censure as to obey god who but will grant that he is wrong in showing as much deference to man's opinion as to god i may fast in lent out of devotion to please god or out of obedience because the church enjoins it or out of temperance and with a view to more diligent study or out of economy or out of chastity to subdue my body and pray better of course i may combine all these motives but if so they must be duly kept each in its proper place for if i fast rather to save money than for obedience sake or more in order to study profitably than to please god is it not obvious that i reverse what is right and due preferring my own interests to those of god and his church fasting with a view to economy is good for obedience it is better for god's sake it is best and although evil can hardly come out of three good points yet a culpable disorder may arise from unduly preferring the least important motive 
if a man invites only one friend to a feast none can take offence but if he invites all and then gives the chief places to those of least dignity and the reverse he will offend everybody one side because he depreciates them the other because he puts them to shame so he who performs any act from a reasonable motive however trivial is safe but if he has several motives he must be sure that each assumes its due proportion or he will do wrong he who desires to please god and our lady does well but he who seeks to please her as much or more than god is guilty of an intolerable error and might be addressed like cain if thou doest well shalt thou not be accepted and if thou doest not well sin lieth at the door genesis chapter four verse seven each aim must hold its own due place and so necessarily that of pleasing god must have the preeminence and the highest aim of all man's actions which is the love of god has this sovereign property namely that its purity purifies the action which it produces so that the saints and angels have no object whatsoever in their love save god's goodness and pleasing him truly they love each other they love us they love all holiness but all for god's sake only they practice virtue not because it is attractive but because it is acceptable to god they seek happiness not for their own delight but because he would have it so their very love is not selfish but tends solely to god it is precious to them not because it is theirs but because it is the gift of god and he delights therein chapter fourteen the practical result thereof our efforts must be directed to purify each and all of our intentions shedding the light of divine love on every action rejecting all the unholy motives which vainglory and self inspire and sifting everything which moves us till we reach the only true motive power the love of god for instance a man may enter upon active service first of all from the natural impetus of strength and courage which delight in perilous undertakings but beyond that there may be the desire to obey his sovereign love for his country and generous delight in performing noble deeds but to purify and exalt all such motives the christian warrior will offer them all to god and his service such a continual recurrence to god will sanctify all other aims and motives aristotle says that he who steals to indulge his passion for drink is rather a drunkard than a thief and he who exercises valor obedience patriotism and generosity with a view to please god is even more emphatically a lover of god 
than a patriot or a brave soldier we do not say that we are going to lyon but to paris when paris is our ultimate point and we only pass lyon on the way and if from time to time some lesser motive comes forcibly before us for example if we are greatly attracted to chastity because of the beauty of a pure life we may always turn back upon god asking to find our best delight in pleasing him and whatever good or holy thing we do we ought always to sanctify with our lord's own words even so father for so it seemed good in thy sight matthew chapter eleven verse twenty six the great charm of any virtue to a christian ought to lie in its being acceptable to god yet there have been men who have blindly followed certain virtues for their own sake forgetful of him thus origen and tertullian were both guilty of error in their passionate devotion to chastity and the sect which rose up in lyon drove their admiration of poverty to fanaticism while certain heretics exalted almsgiving and charity towards man beyond the love of god his banner over me was love says the bride canical chapter one verse four and love is the banner which leads the army of virtues all must be subject to it our only general the lord jesus christ recognizes no other standard learn to measure all virtues by obedience to love loving each virtue for itself but chiefly because it is acceptable to god and preferring that which is best not because it is best but because he loves it best thus holy love will inspire all and make all precious to our salvation chapter fifteen love includes all the sevenfold gifts man's reason seeking to attain that natural happiness which is set before him needs sundry aids thus he needs temperance that he may repress the bold attempts of sensuality justice that he may render what is due to god his neighbor and himself fortitude that he may conquer the inevitable difficulty he finds in doing good and avoiding evil counsel to discern the best means of attaining the true good wisdom to know what is really good and evil understanding to perceive the fundamental principles of beauty and truth and lastly knowledge to contemplate the godhead first cause of all good and the holy spirit which dwells in us vouchsafing to mould our souls to his own inspirations the laws of his love on which all our supernatural blessedness in this life rests has given us the qualities and graces above mentioned which are called in holy scripture the gifts of the holy ghost and these are not only inseparable from love but strictly speaking they are inherent parts of love 
for number one knowledge is love tasting and experiencing how gracious the lord is number two understanding is love attentively pondering the beauty of the faith seeking god therein as revealed to his creatures number three wisdom is love fixing our attention on self and creation so that we may ascend from a fuller knowledge thereof to a more perfect service of god number four counsel is love carefully selecting the best means of serving him in holiness number five fortitude is love strengthening the heart to do that which counsel points to number six piety is love softening toil and leading us to do the work appointed us out of filial devotion and number seven fear is love seeking to shun whatever is displeasing to god's majesty thus charity becomes as it were a second jacob's ladder to us in which the sevenfold gifts of the holy spirit are the blessed steps by which men may mount up to heaven through union with god and descend to earth for the help and comfort of their brethren by the first step fear makes them shun evil by the second piety kindles the desire of good thirdly knowledge teaches what ill to shun and what good to seek fourthly fortitude supplies courage to meet inevitable difficulties fifthly counsel enables men to elect the most suitable means thereto the sixth step unites the understanding to god showing forth his infinite beauty and the seventh joins the will to his enabling it to taste the abundance of his goodness and at the top of the ladder god himself is found bending towards his creature with a loving embrace and his love is better than wine canical chapter one verse two then returning to our neighbor in order to lead him to a like blessing as on the highest step the will has been kindled with burning zeal and softened by the sweetness of god's love so on the next the understanding becomes marvelously enlightened and filled with glowing thoughts and holy precepts on the third step the gift of counsel supplies suggestions how to win men to know and love divine goodness the fourth furnishes strength to overcome such difficulties as are to be encountered the fifth supplies wisdom to teach and guide souls in the right way from the sixth he who is on it draws men to a devout and loving obedience and childlike fear while from the last step he urges the terrors of the lord upon them so that by holy fear they may be the more disposed to forsake earth and seek heaven charity is like a glorious lily whose snow-white petals are the sevenfold gifts and its pistols golden wisdom which bring forth delight in god the father's goodness 
in the mercy of god the redeemer and in the comfort of the holy spirit sanctifying men chapter sixteen the loving fear of the bride thy love to me was wonderful passing the love of women to samuel chapter one verse twenty six so said david mourning over jonathan as though his love was even tenderer than that of a wife for her husband the perfection of love in a pure wife's heart abounds in precious qualities it is chaste and modest strong yet tender ardent yet self-contained generous yet timid vigorous yet obedient and its fear is mingled with a most happy trust such is the fear of a truly loving soul so confident in the bridegroom's love that it cannot fear losing it and can only fear lest it lose any particle of his beloved presence its love is too confident to fear offending him yet it fain would please him better too generous to imagine any change possible yet nevertheless seeking to draw closer longing for a yet purer more devoted love such a soul shrinks from resting even in the purest spiritual delights and consolations lest they should distract it from the giver thereof crying out tell me o thou whom my soul loveth where thou feedest where thou makest thy flock to rest at noon for why should i be as one that turneth aside by the flocks of thy companions canticle chapter one verse seven it was this holy fear which inspired a saint paul a saint francis a saint catherine of genoa to shun all division of their affection striving to make it so pure and single that not even spiritual consolations or virtues should come between their heart and god so that they might truly say i live yet not i but christ liveth in me galatians chapter two verse twenty what is not god is not jesus my life the first beginnings of this holy fear come from true love but a love as yet frail and weak childlike fear comes from a firm substantial love seeking after perfection but the bride's fear arises from the very excellence and perfection of her existing love whereas ordinary servile fear though it is not the offspring of love does sometimes help to lead the way to it you have seen those who like the virtuous woman described by solomon proverbs chapter thirty one eat not the bread of idleness embroider all manner of beauteous and rich vestments piercing the fabric they seek to adorn with their needle but the needle is only needed to enable the gold thread or silk to pass through and so god uses the sharp point of fear to prick man's heart and pass holy graces and desires into it withdrawing the useful instrument when its work is done even as st john tells us that perfect love casteth out fear 
1 john chapter 4 verse 18 verily it were not possible for servile fear to abide permanently together with that holy love which is all joy sweetness and peace chapter 17 how far servile fear may abide with holy love the embroideress if suddenly stopped in her work will oftentimes leave her needle in the flower she is tracing the more surely to find it again so god's providence often lets servile fear linger about man's heart until love being perfected it is no longer needed and forasmuch as in this life our love can never be absolutely perfect we ever need some salutary check of fear even amid our keenest thrills of joyful love we must serve the lord in fear and rejoice unto him with reverence psalm 2 verse 11 abraham sent eliezer whose name signifies the help of god to fetch a bride for his son but so soon as rebecca saw isaac she forthwith left eliezer and being taken into what had been sarah's tent she became isaac's wife so god sends fear or another eliezer to contract a marriage between the soul and holy love fear may be the first guide along the way but so soon as the soul perceives love it forsakes fear and cleaves to love forever yet after his return doubtless eliezer abode in isaac's service and so fear will remain as a useful servant to love for at times the soul will be beset by grievous temptations and human infirmities and then love calls fear to the rescue and drives back the foe when jonathan assaulted the philistines garrison at michmash he slew his foes and his armor-bearer slew after him 1 samuel chapter 14 verse 13 even so love is supported by the help of servile fear and those temptations which love does not defeat the fear of condemnation slays suppose the temptation to pride avarice or sensuality assaults me i am fain to ask can i forsake the beloved of my soul for such things as these but if that be not enough love rouses fear reminding me that for even such things i may lose my heavenly heritage we must use every aid in extremity even as jonathan and his armor-bearer crept on their hands and feet in that same bold assault the sailor never leaves his anchors or cables behind however smooth the sea when he quits the shore knowing that storms may arise and however blessed god's servant may be with present rest and comfort he must never be unarmed with that fear of his master's justice which will strengthen him amid the storms of temptation the rind of a fruit however uneatable is absolutely necessary to the preservation of that fruit so servile fear 
however inferior in worth to love is most essential to its preservation amid the changes and chances of life when you give a pomegranate to any one it is the juice and seeds you mean to offer but needs you must give the rind as well so the holy spirit gives holy fear together with his other gifts and at the same time he gives servile fear as a manner of rind needful to the preservation of that higher better fear when joseph sent costly presents of the treasures of egypt to his father the asses which bore them formed a part of his present but useful as servile fear is during our mortal life it is not worthy of everlasting life where there will be fearless confidence certain happiness and undisturbed rest yet while our earthly servile fear like moses and aaron will not be suffered to enter into the promised land nevertheless their offspring will enter in and that holy fear which the bride has known will be transformed into a boundless reverence and admiration for the incomprehensible majesty of the great and glorious bridegroom the fear of the lord endureth forever end of book 11 chapter 17